0: Hi, we're the Shaver family. Welcome to Love Chapel Hill, where our name is our mission, to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. We hope that you enjoy worshiping with us today.
1: Hey guys, I'm Nancy, this is Bobo. I've been coming to Love Chapel Hill since 2015 when I started grad school at UNC. If this is your first time joining us, we just wanna say welcome to our family. If you have any questions for us, um, if you are wanting to know more about our mission, how to deepen your relationship with Jesus, or even about baptism, feel free to fill out our connect card. It will be in the link in our Facebook group and also on our YouTube channel. And we will reach out to you with any questions that you might have. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Hi, we're Rachel and Evan Walmer, and we're really excited to have you here with us today.
2: As a church, we want to love you the best ways we can. If you need any assistance at all, please go to LoveChapelHill.com. We can help pick up groceries for you or a prescription for the pharmacy.
1: We're also here if you need someone to talk to or pray with you or to help you or a family member who's been directly affected by COVID-19.
2: If you want to find any ways to get involved or connected with groups or activities in the church, go to LoveChapelHill.com.
1: Feel free to go check out our church's main page and explore all the options for you.
2: anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness
0: like a never-failing stream.
2: Let justice roll on like a river. Those are the words of the prophet Amos found in the book that's named after him in chapter five, Amos chapter five. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, We are starting a new series uh, in the Old Testament prophets. And so every fall, We intentionally root ourselves in the Old Testament. It's a part of our normal rhythm throughout the year as we follow the historical liturgical church calendar. Uh, We want to root ourselves in that larger story. So every fall we come back to the Old Testament, understanding that we cannot get the full picture, full understanding of who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do without understanding the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament is a lens through which we can understand the full mission and meaning of Jesus. And Jesus is the lens through which we can understand the full meaning of the Old Testament, uh, and all of the story that built up there, the, the story, the sweeping story of salvation history of God's engagement with humanity, of God's rescue plan for Humanity, And so every fall, we root ourselves in the Old Testament, uh, intentionally seeking after that full counsel of God, the full story, the full wisdom and all that he has to teach us and understanding that by doing that, it continues to open up more and more layers of engagement and understanding with who Jesus is and, and who he is calling us to be and shaping us into as His people and as an expression of his kingdom here and now. So, we're going to be in the Old Testament over the next several weeks studying uh, several of the prophets, and today we're starting with the prophet Amos. So, that line. Uh, let justice roll on like a river. It's probably familiar to you. Uh, maybe you saw that uh, on, on posters in the protests over this past summer. Uh, maybe you saw people quote that frequently on social media. Maybe you've heard the echoes of that uh, in those stirring uh, sermons and speeches from Dr. King back from the civil rights movement and so that probably has some resonance with you and some some echo in your heart and in your soul and in your mind uh, but we're gonna go back to the context of that uh, and and see what Amos has to say to us today in the fullness of what the Holy Spirit said through Amos then and is continuing to speak into us today all right so we're going to be in Amos chapter 5 and uh, we're going to look at verses 21 uh, through 24. But before we get into that, uh, here's a little bit of of background on Amos as a prophet. Uh, So unlike other prophets that we're going to uh, come across in our study, uh, Amos was not a professional prophet. Okay, He wasn't born into this. It was not the family business. Uh, It was not this... role that was like a part of his job. Okay. Uh, instead he was this shepherd and actually it says he was a sycamore fig tree farmer. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, so that's who Amos was. He's this person that, that comes out of obscurity, uh, is anointed by the Holy spirit to carry this message of God to the people. And so uh, a little bit broader context beyond just Amos and understanding the time in which Amos is speaking. Uh, it's important for us to know uh, that at this point in Israel's history, this is after the reign of King David, after the reign of King Solomon, David's son. Uh, at this point, the kingdom of Israel is, uh, had split into two separate kingdoms. So in the north, there's that northern kingdom of Israel. And in the south, there's that southern kingdom of Judah. And so in the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, at this time, there was a king named Jeroboam II. And Jeroboam II was incredibly successful in the eyes of most of the people. Uh, he oversaw a uh, a time of military strength and expansion. Uh, He oversaw this time of prosperity for the people uh, and this time of immense wealth for the kingdom of Israel, that northern kingdom. And so in the eyes of many people, uh, he was seen as blessed by God and that this was God pouring out his blessing on this king. Uh, But the thing is, he was a wicked king in his heart. Um, and as he oversaw that time, even though a, a lot of the people w- were referring to this as like another golden age, like under King David and under King Solomon, uh, Amos sees through this, um, and he sees what is at the root of this. The people might've seen that prosperity and that strength as being blessing from God but underneath that gilded facade, there was this moral breakdown. Um, and there was this, this spiritual collapse that was taking place within the kingdom, much because of the leadership of Jeroboam II. Part of what's happening in that time is as the wealth is expanding, uh, it was the, the rich of Israel Who were continuing to grow more and more wealthy. Uh, But as they grew wealthy, that wasn't something uh, that reached to the poor. Not all of the people were lifted up in that moment, but instead there's this disparity and there's this gap that continued to grow between the most rich and the poor of Israel. Um, And so they, they, the rich would often use those places of, of privilege and power, uh, to exploit the poor and the powerless among them of their own people, of their brothers and sisters, uh, expanding their own wealth while crushing the poor beneath the weight of injustice. Again, as they saw that wealth expanding, they pointed to that as signs that God was with them, that God was blessing them. And um, the religion of the day actually grew pretty popular because of that. Uh, the powerful and the rich saw that God, thought that God was blessing them. And so they engaged even more with the religion. And so in this odd kind of way, in this backwards kind of way, many of the people thought they were experiencing a religious revival because the fervor for the religion was intensifying but it was because these people thought Uh, that God was blessing them. So they they fall in love with the religious rituals and with the festivals and they couldn't get enough of this. Even some of the the rich would build uh, extra homes and vacation homes nearby some of these worship sites um, so that they could be even closer to it and in closer proximity to that power that they were experiencing and seeing. What's really messed up about this uh, is not just what was happening with Jeroboam II as the king, but also the religious system around him. They were propping him up in this time. And so the way that the government of Israel was set up, there were three key roles in the government of Old Testament Israel. Uh, There is the king, and the role of the king is to lead the people with the heart of God, on behalf of God, uh, to look out for the best of God's people, for their best, um, and to take care of them and, and to shepherd them and to rule them with God's kind of heart. That was the setup. Uh, also, there was the priest. And the role of the priest uh, in the religious system was to represent the people to God, to go to God on behalf of the rest of the people. And then you have the prophets. The role of the prophets is to go to the people on behalf of God. And so the prophets carry this message and they speak on behalf of God to the people and oftentimes to the king to speak God's wisdom to the king, to give advice and to give direction and wisdom on behalf of God. What was happening during the time of Jeroboam II was that this professional class of the prophets, uh, as uh, as Jeroboam's power increased, as Jeroboam the power increased, so did theirs, and they enjoyed that protection that they were getting from him. And so, what do you think they did? They brought him messages that were only inspiring to him. They brought them. They brought him messages from God that only spoke blessing to him. And they claimed to be speaking on behalf of God. And so they just continued to prop up the system uh, because their chief loyalty was not to God. And actually their chief loyalty wasn't even to Jeroboam II. Their chief loyalty was to themselves. And so they continued to prop up this system because it benefited Jeroboam II, yes, but even more because it benefited themselves. And so they claim to speak the words of God in a way that was only flattering him and helping themselves. So they never dared to speak a word of rebuke and they never dared to speak a word of correction. And in that, they failed. They failed in their role as prophets. And so oftentimes these are referred to as court prophets, people that are hired by the king to simply speak for the king and speak to the king the blessings of god and so these court prophets actually failed in their most fundamental calling and role they didn't just fail themselves in that they didn't just fail god in that but they failed the people who were being hurt by that and the poor and the oppressed and that is where amos comes in in the middle of that culture amos shows up he's not a court prophet He's coming out of obscurity. He's, he's more of what would be referred to as like a wilderness prophet. And so he comes out of that inspired by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit with a message for the king and then as a result of that for the message to the rest of God's people and a critique of the king's prophets. And so he comes into that kind of climate. He comes into that kind of culture commissioned by God to speak these words here's what he has to say Amos chapter 5 verse 21 remember many of the people thought there was a religious revival happening this fervor for the religious festivals and the rituals and in the midst of that here's what Amos has to say bringing God's word to them I hate and I despise your religious feasts I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-ending stream. That's what God has to say to his people through Amos in this key moment in their history. Because they had trampled on justice, because they had built their wealth and their strength while ignoring the people who were seen as on the margins because they had trampled on justice, their worship and their outer signs of righteousness actually turn God's stomach and he can't bear to watch or to listen to what they are doing. Their fine-tuned worship events had become a disgrace And God says he hated even the sound of their songs because they had trampled on justice. One of the key things that we see here that runs all the way through the prophets, it runs all the way through the law of the Old Testament, it runs all the way through the Psalms of the Old Testament is this pairing between these two words, justice and righteousness. For the most part, you've probably heard this passage from Amos quoted and it only stops with the mention of justice. It probably only says, but let justice roll on like a river. But we cannot forget the second half of that. It's the double pulse of the heartbeat of God, justice and righteousness. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never ending stream. God is calling for both. God is demanding both. And we cannot dissect the character of God and simply choose to pursue one. We've talked about this before, uh, but the philosopher Reinhold Niebuhr and theologian said uh, that justice that is only justice will soon degenerate into something less than justice. And the great Dr. Cornel West adds to that. And he says, justice must be rescued by something greater. Justice must be rescued by love, love of truth, love of neighbor. And for me as a revolutionary Christian, he says, even love for my enemy. Amen. Justice has to be rescued by something deeper and that deeper thing is love. God is calling for both. If you only want to push a message of calling people to righteousness, if you only want to push a message of calling people to simply give their hearts to Jesus and you ignore the call for justice, then you are cutting out half of the heartbeat of God and you are missing the whole picture in that process. And in the same way, If you are only pushing for justice on a systemic level, which has to happen, we have to be voices for that and we have to push for that. But if we only push for that, we know as followers of Jesus that that will never be the fullness of the picture to which God is calling us. He's also inviting us into this life of deep righteousness, this life of right relationship with God. So let's define those two words. We just defined the word righteousness. Righteousness means a right relationship between us and God. Justice means a right relationship between each other. It's that human relationship. Uh, And then obviously on that larger scale, the, the right systems that we build to live within in these human relationships. And so God is calling for both justice and righteousness. And all throughout the prophets, we see him doing that. And so there is this river that is rolling on of God's justice and he demands it. He demands it. He will not accept worship that ignores that. He will not accept worship that tramples on it. He calls for it. He demands it. And, 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 and he won't put up with anything less than that. And he also calls for this other stream to join up with it and to become this deep river in which we live and move and flow in our lives, justice and righteousness together, rolling on like a river, like a never ending stream. And he's calling us into that deeper kind of life, pairing the two together holding them together, the double pulse of the heartbeat of God. And you cannot dissect those two things from each other. Now, let me be straight and clear as I possibly can. All right. When we talk about justice and, and, and working for justice, um, in our own individual relationships, as well as on that systemic level, micro and macro, um, We are not in any way reducing the gospel simply to that. You can't do that. You cannot do that. Uh, You cannot work your own way into salvation. That is anti-gospel. It simply is. You cannot earn something that is given to you as a free gift of grace. You cannot earn something that has already been paid for by someone else, Jesus Christ, laying down his life in this sacrificial love for us. So you cannot reduce the gospel. That's what it is, is to be brought into this reconciled relationship with God through the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus. He's inviting you into that life. And then as an overflow and as a result of that, He is sending us out this right relationship with him, this righteousness that is established through a relationship with Jesus overflows and is sent out in these works of justice. So doing good works will never produce a right relationship with God. It won't, but a right relationship with God will always produce good works. You cannot divide those apart. It is the natural overflow and it is what God calls us into. This is what he is calling us into. Righteousness is a right relationship with God. Justice is a right relationship with each other individually and on a systemic level. They are connected together all the way throughout scripture and God does not divide them apart from each other. Here's another example of that. Uh, these are so interconnected um, that in the gospel of Luke, in chapter 10, verse 25, a teacher of the law uh, who is deeply concerned about a righteous life and is deeply concerned about righteousness with God. It says in that verse that he stands up to test Jesus, never a good idea, uh, to test Jesus. And he asks Jesus this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And some of us reduce the gospel down to simply that question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to get to heaven? And we try to reduce the gospel simply to that. Jesus won't do that. He won't do that. There is a deeper and more full picture of what eternal life is looks like. It's not just there and then, it's breaking into the here and now and overflowing here and now. So trying to test Jesus, he asks that question and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a question about righteousness, a right relationship with God. Jesus, like he brilliantly does, classic Jesus, uh, he answers that question with another question which then leads Jesus to telling a story. And he tells this story. So the question that Jesus asks him is, well, how do you read it? What do you see in the scriptures? And the man answers back, well, the and, and actually repeating an answer that Jesus has given, uh, he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you hear that? Righteousness, love God, and to love your neighbor, justice. And Jesus says, you've answered rightly, go and do that. And then it says, seeking to justify himself, the man followed up with another question. And he says, well, who is my neighbor? And how does Jesus answer that with this brilliant story that is still mind blowing today? And Jesus says, there once was a man headed from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he tells the story, you know it, of the good Samaritan. And what is that story about? It's a story about justice and it's a story about loving each other. The man begins with a question about righteousness. What do I have to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus ends it up with a story about justice and about loving each other because righteousness, right relationship with God cannot be cut off from justice, a right relationship with each other. Speaking of Samaritans, in John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories in all of the scriptures, Jesus has an encounter at a well with a Samaritan woman. She was seen as a total outcast, and we're not going to go into that full story. You've heard it a lot. And uh, actually we're starting back up with the story, our Tuesday night Bible study that goes through the gospel of John. So we're gonna spend a lot of time in that in the coming weeks. Uh, So that Bible study starts back up this week. Um, But so we're not gonna go fully into that story. But she, in this interaction with Jesus, he makes this statement to her. And I find it so beautiful because listen to it. Listen to it. Hear the imagery in it. And tell me you don't hear the echoes of what Amos was preaching and of what Amos was pointing the people to. Because here's the reality. The prophets don't simply point people to their failures in their relationship with God. They also point them towards the reconciliation that is possible with our relationship with God. And so the prophets aren't just pointing at the failures. They're always pointing ahead. To Jesus. So hear the words of Amos. Remember the words of Amos. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never ending stream. And now hear them fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Here's what Jesus has to say Jesus answered the woman at the well Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed the water I give them will well up within them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's the fulfillment you can see it flowing all the way from Amos being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Jesus is that rolling river. Jesus is that deep and never-ending stream. Jesus is justice And Jesus is righteousness. As the king, he is righteousness and he embodies that. And the kingdom that he has established is a kingdom of justice. That's the culture of it. Later in John chapter 7, Jesus once again says says this and drawing on that same kind of, of imagery. Here's what Jesus says. It's at the Feast of the Tabernacles and in the middle of this feast, Jesus stands up and says this, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, hear it, hear it, hear it echoing from Amos and this promise that Amos gives and this vision and this challenge that he gives for who we are to be and how we are to live and now hear it fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this it says he meant the Holy Spirit. This is the promise. The promise of the prophets, they don't just point out the failures. They're pointing to the hope of reconciliation and the reality of reconciliation. They're not just pointing to the failures. They're always pointing ahead to Jesus. And the fulfillment of Amos' words and Amos's vision of this rolling river of justice and this never-ending stream of righteousness, we find it in this person of Jesus. Jesus is justice and Jesus is righteousness. And as we continue to live our lives following him, we will continue to experience that well of living water welling up within us, overflowing to this stream of righteousness and justice flowing out of our lives. May we be those kinds of people. Amen.
1: much for being a part of our service today as we close out today um, I just wanted to share something that's been on my heart lately as we've been walking through this time together Um, I saw a meme recently that said I miss precedented times (laughs) since everything feels so new and so different and It makes me think a lot about the Israelites' experience in exile that we see in the Old Testament where they are cast away from their land, their promised land, and their kingship um, is destroyed. And they are set out into strange lands um, with strange and hostile people a lot of the times and forced to make a new way and a new life. And that in that time that God does not abandoned them, that God is with them in that, and is preparing the way forward for them into what will eventually become His church. And that's us. And so, as I've been sitting in this season, I've been remembering that story, and remembering that God was with them then, and God is with us now, and that the story of God's people, that we are a part of it now, um, even still, and that we are not abandoned in our stories where we are, that that it is still a a part of God's bigger narrative. Um, And so that being said, my hope for you this week is that you will find yourself in that story, that you will find peace and rest in knowing that God is with us um, and that you will find joy in that. So as I close out in prayer, um, would you just uh, quiet your hearts and pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you never abandon us, Lord, that even as we walk through strange lands and strange times, where things don't look like what we thought they would, God, that you are with us and that you are preparing the way forward for us and for your church, God. We thank you that we can be a part of that. Even still, we thank you for connections that we have now that um, didn't exist for the Israelites, for sure. And Lord, we just pray that we will remember you this week, and that we will seek you this week, God. And we pray for the future that you are preparing for this church and for these people, Lord, that we will work towards that, Lord, and anticipate that, Lord, and expect that, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, y'all.